Satish, we've had so many episodes where there's a lot of questions that get asked. And this is one episode where I just sat back and I couldn't ask questions because the wisdom, the advice, and the energy that came from Alta carried the entire episode. Uh, 100%. I mean, She's a powerhouse. A phenomenal person. Listen, wait, anytime I meet South Asians, I can't help but to put myself in their, in their shoes. And being a female founder, growing up in a, in a Patel home, which is, which is stereotypically, you know, hotels. And so as soon as she brought it up, we all laughed about it. But man, this girl has no roadblocks, no obstacles in her life. And this idea of not taking a no, democratizing design and making affordable homes and beautifying them, hiring for her weaknesses and man, working from a position of abundance and not scarcity. This is the episode for anybody who's trying to quit coffee, but want some excitement because you can replace coffee with this podcast three times a day. Absolutely. Please like, share, comment. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopis, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On Year One, we speak to early-stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So, without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. We're really glad that you've taken the time to have a conversation with Satish and I this afternoon. And we dive straight in. And the very first question is, we'd like to understand a little bit about your backstory. What has taken you down this path of entrepreneurship? So if you can tell us a little bit about the young Alper, the teenage Alper, and the Alper that has now become this business owner, that would be appreciated. <laughs> yeah. So I was born in India and was raised in the U.S. My dad's always been an entrepreneur. I've always been grown up in family business, in the hotel business. I'm a Patel, which means that most likely my parents are in the hotel business. My dad got a late start in the business. I was in high school and uh, we moved to Texas from LA. That's when he got into the hotel business when I was a senior in high school. My first job was as a telemarketer and I didn't know what telemarketing was all about. We never got calls. So I wanted a car and my dad's like, go get a job. The person that called me the fastest and offered me the job, I took it. Was there for a year, worked in sales all through wow. college, different sales positions. So I can really good at taking a no. <laughs> I can take a no really yes. well. And then I got married at a young age, got a, my, my, a kind of an arranged marriage situation. Was married for 11 years and sold printing. Aspiring India Sarah Blakely. <laughs> That's Basically. awesome. Like, I want to be the Indian Sarah Blakely. I love that. I sold printing pretty much door to door. I built a book of business selling printing for a, my ex-husband had a print shop. So I would sell printing and I didn't even like printing. Like I didn't even believe in printing. So I did something for 11 years, close to 11 years that I didn't enjoy, but I did a pretty good job at it. So then when I got divorced in 2016, I went, called one friend, said, found my divorce and I went to another friend and said, incorporate my business. Wow. I'm starting my own business. I'm going to pursue my own dream now and start my own business. So I filed for divorce and then I was working a job selling printing for the biggest printing company in the world, R.R. Donnelly. And then I always knew I wanted to have my own business. What did I want to do? I didn't know because I really didn't know myself very well. So I was just helping my ex-husband realize his dream of building a printing empire. 
but that didn't quite pan out. You know, I looked around my room one day and I looked around and I saw a lot of books on design, architecture, historical architecture and design. And then coincidentally, my dad was going to renovate his hotel. And I said, well, use a designer, design it well. Like he had a super eight economy motel and couldn't find a designer who would take on a lobby project because it's so small. It's not hip, cool and sexy to design a super eight lobby, but a nicely designed lobby could have fetched him higher rate. So I looked around and I couldn't find anybody to take on the project. And I love designs so at the same time. I'm like, okay, what do I want to do? Right. I want to start my own business. And I decided that there's a lot of hotels in America that can't afford design. 50% of them are economy. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll work to kind of democratize design and make it accessible and affordable. And I'll, I was good at sales. So I said, let's go. And I went to India. I have a family. I have a friend in India who's like family to me. He's like my brother. And he said, come, I'll help you set up a studio in the third, in a additional floor of my building. And we recruited architecture and design students graduating out of colleges there. Architecture and design schools in Ahmedabad. There's four of the best ones are in Ahmedabad. It's the design capital of India with National Institute of Design being there. And I set up shop and I started helping motels, roadside motels, the economy motels, hotels, design boutique hotels on a budget. And that's how I got started with wow. my first business. That's a, it's been a long journey. Seven years I've been grinding away at this. Man, oh man, with, what wait, a I started story. With my, you know, I, I was got, working my I've job. I was taking like $100 out of my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. I was taking $100 out of my paycheck. That's incredible. Paying out debt that I discovered that we had debt when I got divorced. So I was paying out debt. I was stay, living in student housing to afford to pay off all the debt so I could start my business. And I started with literally, mm -hmm. and it was a cold call I made to chairman, CEO of the 14th biggest architecture and design firm in the Americas. I cold called him and said, I heard you mentor young people. Will you meet with me? And he said, yeah. So he met with me. Larry Armstrong advised me, mentored me for two years, I think. And then he finally wrote me a check. I quit my job from the printing company and then started the business in March, 2018. Oh no, September, wow. 2018. I jumped up my business full time. Well, that's my backstory. Man, oh man. I, first of all, I've got goosebumps, <laughs> Alpha. It's incredible. As a fellow South Asian, I can hear the passion in your voice. And where does this strength come from? Where does this resiliency come from? Have you I, always I, been I think, underdog? I, what do they say? What's... Always. I've always been an underdog. I paid my way through college. Like I worked for everything I've got. When you don't have, when you don't have a lot of support, you have this burning desire to like find a solution to a problem. And I mean, I wasn't always like this. I think there was a time, September, 2017. I remember I was sitting at my desk making cold calls to get appointments for selling printing at R. Donnelly. And I was struggling to just take the business off the ground because I was trying to do both. Like as a side hustle, I had a full-time job. I had to support myself, right? 
I'm like, okay, maybe this is not for me. Like I, I had this moment of weakness where I thought maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like maybe because all the obstacles were coming my way. I had no money, no support, no, nowhere to go. And at the time, Neri was just advising me. I hadn't asked him for money. I he was just in a mentor, just an advisor. And I didn't know what I was doing, actually. I didn't have the team put together in India. But I was trying to make it well work and come together. And I thought, maybe I'm not cut out for this. I'm not good enough for this. I wrote the check to close the company down, fill out the form, put it on an envelope, put the stamp. Everything was ready to go. I was about to walk over to the outgoing mailbox to drop it off. And then I literally sat in front of my desk. I looked, I paused, which is the most, the best thing I did is I took a pause, I put the envelope in front of me, I paused. And I said, I thought about it and I'm like, I was so sad. Like I was like heartbroken, right? Because I was trying to do this for a couple of years and thinking it was going to happen. And then I realized how much I hated my job. I was doing the same thing I was doing when I was 16 years old. My first job, I was cold calling to build up a book of business for, to sell printing. And I didn't even like printing. So I didn't even want to service the business. I just went and got the business, got the appointment for the sales reps. I would get them in the door and then they would service the business because I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything with printing, deal with printing, but I was good at getting appointments and I was good at knocking on doors. But I hated it. I hated doing that. And I was making no impact. That was the most important thing. Like, I'm not making any impact. I'm sitting here doing the same job with an honors degree in information systems from a good school. The same job I was doing when I was 16 years Man. old. I was like, this is my ticket out. What am I doing? Right. I had a moment. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not done yet. I haven't even fall. I've taken the plunge, but I haven't even landed. I haven't even fallen yet. Wow. So I was willing to fall. I was willing to, if I took the jump, I was willing to fall flat because the alternative was so shitty. Like, honestly, it was such, a, I didn't like it. So I said, I'm not done. And I tore apart the check and I never looked wow. back. Wow. Never, ever went back. We've had a lot of founders transition out of comfort into entrepreneurship. I've got a little nest egg saved up. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to try and like try this out, see what happens. And then we run into somebody like you. It was like, shit, I hated that other version of myself. What do I got to lose? I'm going to go become the person I imagined. There's nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose. I was already living the most miserable existence. And I did something, most of my career, I didn't enjoy what I did. Well, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And this is the biggest learning, the biggest learning from everything. And this is my message, honestly, like, like, why am I doing this? Really? The biggest message is if you don't believe in you, you're finished. Bam. You know, you're finished. And all my life, I didn't believe in me. Dion. I didn't believe in me. So I followed the herd. In college, I followed the herd and I did what they were doing, studied MIS. I got married and then I had jobs that I wasn't good at and I didn't, I wasn't even working up to my full potential because I didn't even see my potential. There's a blueprint that, that you were following. And the moment that I, 
yeah, then the moment I was like, no, like my life is so shitty, like something has to change. And so it was just, what's that quote? Like, I can't remember the quote, but it goes something like, like, you don't have any choice. This mm -hmm. is it. Like, there's no plan B. Yeah. No, I love that. Les Brown says that a lot. If you're going to fall down, fall on your back, because you can only look up and get up. And I've always remembered at some point, life's going to take you low enough till you get sick of it. And then you go, what am I fighting for? And what are the things I'm doing? Now, we came up with a new reference from our last podcast guy. I think it was Ruben, but mm -hmm. this idea of parallel entrepreneurship. Okay. And when we look at your LinkedIn profile, you've got three different things that you're presently active on. There is a software development startup that's AI and Web3 and ML. You've got your design studio. Then you've got this other project I love, which is OnePlus One. And in my education company or our education startup is really focused on the fourth core value that's followed by the UN, quality of education, access to education, democratizing, mm. decentralizing access mm -hmm. to education. So you've got three different things yeah. from the outside look like they don't connect. But do they and how do you stay in the middle of this triangle? So I came to realize through this journey over the last, since September 2018 that I've been on full time. Mind you, I was designing hotels, right? So COVID hit in 2020 March. Business is at a standstill. So I'm like now freaking out, like, how am I going to survive, right? I don't know how long this is going to last. Hotels are shut down. So fast forward, I make take drastic decisions, trim a lot of expenses and save as much money as I can to survive because I don't know how long COVID is going to last when, I, when it started. My brother in India has a software development company, Pseudocode. He grew his team, doubled his team in three years. 75 software developers on staff. So that is a family business. We, what I want to do is, it's not something that I'm actively very engaged in at the moment, pseudocode, but my dream is that in the future, as I have more time in the future, I want to be a resource for startups that are wanting to use AI for good and help them build their MVPs. I love that. Because you need an MVP to raise money and you need a money to raise MVP. So any companies that are doing impact-driven work using AI, especially in hospitality, because that's the world I know, or really any, I want Pseudocode to be the entity that will seed their technology. That's why it's there on my profile. So people know that they can come to me if they're, but I'm not actively going out there and pursuing hmm. this stuff right now because I have my hands full. I also learned that I'm the one that loves to take something from zero to one. I'm a creator. I'm, I'm a highly creative being. I'm not the one that's going to be taking these companies to zero, one to a hundred. I'm not good at it. I'm going to hire for my weaknesses and I'm in the process of putting together a leadership team right now. I'm going to probably partner with the design firm who's just strictly doing design in the U.S. So I'm talking to a couple of ones right now. And I'm stepping into more of a, just a high-level role of saying, let's go this direction, guys. So that is how I'm managing it all. 
Pseudocode is there. It's there to be a resource for any company that wants to do good, be do well, do good, and find solutions using AI. And if they're stuck and they don't have resources for technology, I want to be that resource. Love that. Alpha, I would like to go back. And one plus one. Sorry, carry on. Okay. Oh, you mentioned about one plus one. How am I doing all of it? Well, I'm just kicking off one plus one with, I'm igniting the spark. It's not a nonprofit. It's not an organization. It's, I call it a movement. I want to ignite the spark. I want to pledge and I want to invest 1% of my earning for my business in 2023. Starting 23, I'll be profitable. 1% of my earning, I'm investing it in literacy and education this year. I'm going to pick a different goal. There's 17 goals, global goals. I want to inspire through me and by showing examples of other entrepreneurs that we can all operate our business from a high state of consciousness where we can take care of all three P's. People planet and profits. All three can work together. So that's what one plus one is. It's really like I'm trying to ignite the spark and I'm trying to inspire other entrepreneurs to operate from this consciousness and so raise awareness for the UN global goals. Because I really don't think the governments are going to be the ones that are going to solve no, the problem. No, it's got to be us. It's going to be the It's going to be the entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are going to be the ones that are no. going to solve. Yeah, and because you gotta, you can do well and do good. So it's just a matter of inspiring and bringing those goals to as many entrepreneurs around the world. So that's what one plus one is. I say one plus one is 11 because together we can make an exponential impact wow. together. Dion, I think Alpa is my favorite human now on our podcast. <laughs> he embodies so much of the belief system Dion and I share. And even Schoolio, like after I sold my last company, okay. I was done with startup world. I was Fight to be a mentor somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized how inaccessible education actually is. And I was like, ooh, this makes no sense. And then mm-hmm. I started following the UN. And I'm just, once I woke up to the problem, yeah. I, I couldn't stop. And then here we are three yeah. years later building an ed tech startup. Yeah. So tell me and Dion and everybody on our team Amazing. for anything one plus one related. Awesome. Now, you were, were, I'm a fan of you guys for what you shared so far because I have to share something. I have to share this poem with you. When I was 29 years old, this poem literally, like, I dreamt about it. And then I went to my computer and I typed it out. Okay, I was 29. I, went, I, I wake up one morning and then I just, I go to my computer and I'm like, my fingers are flying off the keyboard. Like, it was literally like, like divine inspiration, whatever you call it. But it literally came out of me. So this is something I'm sharing with probably in the most public forum, like a podcast for the first time, because I'm just starting this journey. I've not really been on many podcasts, but the poem is called The Dream. Okay. And this is how it goes. Max dream as one. Food, health, prosperity in the homes of all. Love, peace, unity. In the heart of all. So that poem was written when I was 29 years old. And it surfaced. (laughs) I was beautiful, isn't it? (laughs) I had never written in my life. That's the first poem I wrote. And anyways, I wrote it 
put it away, lived my life as normal when it was, I don't know, and then I forgot all about it. And then right before one plus one came to be, the, somehow I was led to the poem in my email. I was searching for something in my inbox and this poem pops up. Like I was searching for something and then it pops up, like the email pops up. I was like, oh, I wrote this. And then I was digging into my computer file and I pull up the file. I was like, oh, I wrote this. And then I'm thinking about one plus one. I'm thinking about the UN goals. Like, like how do I make an impact, right? How, what am I going to do? And then I realized I had this like aha moment. Like, this is my purpose. Like, this is really the impact work I'm like wanting to do. This is my burning desire. This came from my heart. And all these things, food, healthcare, education, a home, those should be accessible to every human being. It's, and so I'm naturally somebody that operates from abundance. Like, like I went to a design firm and said, let's work together. I went to a design firm in Houston and I told her, let's work together. I don't operate from scarcity. Like, I don't, I think you can collaborate with your competitors. So anyways, this poem was kind of the inspiration behind one plus one. And that's really my wow. purpose. And so what you guys are doing, I love what you're doing. And I'm really happy that I'm here. Indeed. Thank you. Adia, that was me. only question one. And we're 21 minute in. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll stick to the no, question. No, I love it. This is no, what we, this no, is what we mean, love. Exactly. No, and great. I mean, we generally ask people to tell us about your business and things like that. But I think your message is so big. I'm less interested in your business as I am interested in this mission that you are, are on to, to change. It's all connected. But it, Dion, it's somehow connected. It's connected to my business. It's a beautiful way it's connecting to my business. So talk to that then, because that's an interesting point that you raise, right? Because you've got Ninth House, you've got Pseudocode, you've got this one plus one, right? And they all quite early in the, in its evolution and where it's at. I'm going yeah. back to the term that Satish used about parallel entrepreneurship. How are you making sure that you're giving each one of them the same level of focus so that it's got the same opportunity to succeed? It's all integrated. I live my life in an integrated way. My businesses are integrated. When I say integrated, there's no separation between it. The dream is at the heart. It's the core. It's the nucleus. Everything I do is circled around this dream, this poem that I just mm. read. So somehow my business has pivoted, 9,000 pivoted to making design accessible and affordable. Well, design is for homes. It's for everything. It's for business. It's for every, any kind of space. Nicely designed space gives an experience. And I make it accessible and affordable by using talent in India and designing businesses and homes in the U.S. I love and that. that when I say I integrate, I live my life in an integrated way. My work and my personal life, my, my personal life and my professional life are integrated. So Saturday morning, I might work. But then Wednesday afternoon, I might go and go to the beach and go for a mm -hmm. walk. I don't compartmentalize my life because I'm, everything I do is serving this purpose, this deeper purpose that I enjoy. Like it doesn't feel like work. 
I told my team, I want them to integrate their work in their life. And how did this connect to Ninth House? I discovered shipping containers. I discovered shipping containers as a powerful way to address affordable housing in America. Tiny homes, shipping container homes. So now I'm ta I've tasked my team to realize this dream, a container home that's designed, a container home, a dishwasher in America can afford. So we're launching the first annual All India Student Architecture and Design Competition. They're gonna take shipping containers. Teams, student teams will work with professors or architects licensed architects, designers, and they're going to apply for a competition and they're going to design shipping container to be an affordable home, a restaurant, a bar, a hotel, and they're going to submit their projects to us on Diwali 2023. We're going to announce the winners on our social media. So I'm crowdsourcing design for shipping containers. That is incredible. And how does this all connect? Like this is integration, you guys. This is what you call integration. I love it. I love it. And I, they may seem to outside people. Yeah, outside it may seem like you're doing different things. Like, how are you putting it all together? And how are you giving 100% to everything? Yeah. Well, as long as I'm serving my purpose, I'm 100%. Yeah, it's funny because I've been noticing this trend with founders over the last three to four years coming out of COVID where this idea of picking one and being all in versus creating this model where you're in the middle of a, of a passion, of an interest, of a movement, and the things you do contribute to the center. Not, yeah, and none of them like, are independently going to fail because they're connected to the center, but the center is more important than each one of them. Mm -hmm. And that's how I see how we're building, for example, Schoolio and the yes. different ways we're attacking where, and the reason I think it's an interesting question is I met some young people at a Web3 conference over the weekend. And they were all obsessed with this idea of balance. You know, we need to balance our thing. I don't do anything evenings and weekends and I take three weeks off. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, like my balance comes from being obsessed about a purpose. And I was trying to explain this to some young kids and they just looked at me at the old guy at the table. And I was like, listen, there's something magical about being obsessed about a purpose. And then owning it yeah. 24 hours a day in your head. I'm curious what your sort of obsession versus balance looks like. And then how do you stay energized? Is there a routine you follow? What's your sort of the life yeah. hacks are? Well, I read an article um, a while back that says that when you're in nature, it's good for your mental well-being. And as entrepreneurs, the ones that are very passionate, purpose-driven, we're givers. By nature, really, like we're givers. We're giving our energy to something that we're passionate about, right? Usually towards a good cause and that is going to earn us an income and be good. But our minds are always going. So we need a break. We need to relax and take a mental break so that we can come back more refreshed and be more productive and look at that problem and be able to see it from multiple perspectives. So we have to detach from that, our obsession. Right. And for me, that's been going out hiking in nature. I make sure that I do my hike. If I don't have time in the morning, because there's a call, I make it happen in the afternoon or in the evening. 
but I make sure that it happens because I'm in the flow state. The flow state is so important to me because that's where I, I'm not on my phone. I'm listening to music. I'm in nature and it, it could look different for everyone, but whatever that is, that is your anchor. And you go there to like anchor yourself. You get inspired. You unplug from your phone, from your emails, from thinking about work. And if you're really purpose-driven, so you may think about it while I may think about my stuff while I'm on my hike, but that's okay because I'm in nature and I'm enjoying nature, right? And that's how I balance my life. For me, it's about going to my favorite hiking spot and listening to music and being inspired by nature. And I get a mental break. I come back and I feel refreshed. I think it is important to find something that gets you that break so that you can come back to it. It's like when you go on vacations, right? You go on vacations, you can reflect because you're out of your day-to-day -day routine and you can reflect on things and you come back. You're like, I want to do this differently. I want to do this differently. I like what I'm doing here. So that space is important to give. And that's for me is value. I love that. I don't know. Yeah. So Alpa, I mean, you've got an amazing energy about you. Right. You seem to be an unstoppable force. Nothing is impossible. You nothing is impossible. That's right. Well, well, that's exactly it. So nothing's impossible. Right. I mean, you did something for eleven years that you didn't like. And then you decided, I've got no choice. I need to do something for myself. And you're going on this journey. And as you say, nothing is impossible. But conversely, every person also has fears and anxieties and things like that. Things that, you know, in a quiet times we reflect on and it gives us the heebie-jeebies. So we've got a segment called mm -hmm. Confession Corner. If we take away all this positivity and this can-do attitude and things like that, what is that one thing or few things that is really scaring you or that you're thinking about in terms of your business that's probably the biggest challenge that you're facing? What scared me was the dream. I, I put it away for many years. I looked at it. it that was a, the dream scared me for a long time. It took courage. I posted it on LinkedIn recently. I had put a post in, on my birthday, I think. It was my birthday. I posted it. It took me a long time to work up the courage to put it out there because I was scared. Like, who am I? Like, who the hell am I to say, this is the kind of world I can help create or I want to be a part of creating? Like, because I didn't even believe in myself most of my life. But do you know how scary it was to have written that at 29? I'm 42. But what happened was, I think I just took the plunge. Oh my God. I took the plunge. And it's a mental, it's a met, I'm using that as a mental metaphor for like, something happened and I can't pinpoint any one instance, but I think I just came to realize that I'm not going to be scared anymore, this dream. I'm just going to put it out there. And I'm get, one plus one is, it, that's the dream for the community, one plus one. My, my purpose is to, I provided the most ambitious dream through those words so that we could all work together and create a better life, a better world. And I don't, I, this may sound crazy to people, but I really do think that if enough of us get together around this common mission of one plus one and we invest a percentage of our income 
in the goals that matter to us. I really think by 2030, like we can carve poverty to the carbs. I don't know. I truly feel that in my heart anymore. And I'm not scared to say it. It's the first time I'm saying it in a public way. But I don't care. I'm not afraid to say it because I've committed to it. And I think there's enough people in the world that'll band together around this. It's just, I'm trying to ignite the spark. This business podcast is, that spark is getting ignited further. And I think that the right people will just come forward and say, I, I think this is a cool idea. Let's do it. And it's, I'm not trying to call it, create a nonprofit. I'm not trying to fundraise. I'm just trying to bring awareness of the goal to the people that probably would support yep. if they knew about them. Yep. And, and the I think the biggest challenge is... Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yes? No, no I think the biggest challenge yeah. is that we're busy people, like entrepreneurs, we're busy, like we want to do good, but it's like, okay, we don't really think about what organizations are the best ones to make an impact. So that's what I want to do is really with one plus one, I want it to be like an easy place to go. You go to the website, you see the goals, you see the best nonprofits that you want to support that are working at scale so that your dollar goes as farthest as possible. And then you just pick the organization, go to their website and then sign up and you invest. And I'm trying to get away from using the word give because giving is like charity. We're not, we're entrepreneurs. We don't, we're, we're investing because when a billion people are listed out of poverty, who's going to benefit? You and I. I love that. Who's going to benefit when a billion people are out of poverty? We're going to invite them into the marketplace. So that's how I see it. And I think that, I think doing this podcast and like doing more of these, I think is, I need to probably invest more in that so more people can learn about one plus one. It's just been there, but I haven't really done much with it. But I recently hired a PR agency and it's called, they're called Better Together. And they're also a mission-driven PR agency. And they've taken us on and now we're doing more of these kinds of interviews and I'm talking to people about one plus one. Amazing. And before we get to our last segment, I have one question. So you talked about having a mentor for a couple of years who then eventually ended up investing. When somebody's looking for a mentor, because a lot of the folks that are coming into this space, yeah. it, was it was almost harder to get mentors back in the day. So you had to really like work hard to find their yellow page number. And I'm 48, so pre-internet. Today, mm -hmm. because we're all more accessible, we actually are not as accessible anymore. So, A, thank you for taking our cold email and jumping on our podcast. But for yeah. folks that are looking to get into some sort of a mentee-mentor relationship, any advice? Yeah, pick up the phone and call. That's why I did. Done. Just pick up the phone. Find out who you want to be the mentor. Your network is your network. That's what somebody told me. Pick up the phone and just call. If you're trying to, if you're trying to make an impact and you're trying to do something impactful, People are generally going to want to give you their time. And Neri is one of my most trusted advisor and mentor. And he's a lifelong friend. And somebody also told me that you don't ask for money. When you want money, you ask for mentorship and advice. And along that journey, naturally, when there's a match, a good match, that happens. And I experienced that. I didn't go to him for money. I asked him for advice because I heard he mentors young people and I'm trying to get into interior design and architecture and I have no experience in it. And he was kind enough to give me his time and I 
kept meeting with him. He kept seeing, I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. And he knew, he probably, he, I don't even think he thought I was, I don't know if he even invested in me for a return, to be honest with you. I think he just saw the hustle and he saw the drive and he saw us trying to make an impact. And then when he felt like the time was right, I'd grown enough. He wrote me a seed, like a small check to jump on the business full time. So just pick up the phone and call. You have LinkedIn. You can even get a LinkedIn premium membership for one month. Just contact everybody you want to contact through in-mail. That's awesome. Or just pick up the phone and call. Alba, we've come to the end of this session. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to wrap it up in one sentence or a short paragraph in terms of what is that key message that you want to share with early stage founders today? What's the message for early stage founders? Just take the plunge. Don't give up. Don't just don't give up until you fall flat. Even if you fall flat, who cares? You learned and then you go get a job for time being until the next thing comes along. If you're passionate, you have a purpose and a mission. Don't, don't be afraid because there's a reason you have that passion. You're, there's a reason you have that, that in your heart, you want to do something. It's to be expressed. But the fear, doubt, the mind is going to mess with you. I love that. Don't let the mind mess with you. Find your anchor and, the, and then just keep going. You've got a message that you're sharing. You've got an important message that you're sharing at the moment. Where do people get hold of you? LinkedIn. They can message me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Alpa, I'd like to thank, thank you, you so much for having me. What a great conversation. It's been an amazing episode. I'm pumped. Thank you so much. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Satish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by BlueMex. For more Year One content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit BlueMex.io to join us on Discord.